Well, it's my great um, pleasure to uh, introduce to you uh, Andrew Nichols, um, who is our speaker for the weekend away. So let's give him a, a bit of a, a round of applause. Um, what we thought it would be nice to do is to just uh, ask Andrew a few questions um, so that we can get to know him uh, a bit better. And uh, so it's always nice to know who it is um, that is in front of you, who is speaking. And so um, we're going to do that. I will um, stop a couple of times. If you have a particular question that you want to ask, then please do shoot your hand up when I indicate. And uh, we'll run after you and and ask a question. So um, we do want this to be as relaxed but also informative as well. So um, welcome, Andrew. Thank you. There we go. Um, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for coming. And uh, maybe you could just say a few introductory uh, comments about who you are and where you're from and that sort of, you know, the usual A to Z stuff. Okay, well, um, I'm married to Hillary. Uh, we've been married 23 years. Uh, we have two children, Silas and Toby. Silas is 18 and a half and scared of driving. Uh, he applied for his provisional licence, so he had ID, but has never used it. Um, Toby, who's 16, uh, nearly 17, is within days of applying for his provisional licence, and we've already been driving on a, on a sort of private thing where you can go in Hornchurch in Essex. You can go and drive around, however young you are, in someone else's car for not too much money. So, we've, yeah, so they're very different characters. Um, we live in Southgate, N14, which is um, Oak Hill College, uh, where Chris and Karis were, and I met them. Hello. Um, so, did, so we can assume you taught Chris? Well, actually, we, I, I did meet them, but I, I wasn't a teacher at that point. So we, we don't, there's no responsibility there for his I've, teaching. I've right? never marked his work, <laughs> and no, I can take no credit. Okay. Sorry, carry on. Um, I've been in this current job at Oak Hill College for 18 months. I'm director of pastoral care at the college, which means I get to... Um, I oversee the pastoral care of students and their families, and I teach pastoral care in churches. Uh, I teach students how to do pastoral care. I share that with somebody else. Um, and at the moment, I'm also on the coronavirus working group and um, that sort of thing. Um, uh, before my current job, I was a pastor in southwest London in uh, Wimbledon and Kingston-upon-Thames. Um, and a little bit before that, I was a doctor. And a little bit before that, I was born. That's a, a pretty good summary, isn't it? I mean, um, are you... For- from London area? Did you grow up in this area? You... I was born in Glasgow, so I'm actually a Scot. Any other Scots in the room? There's a, there's, Great. There's a few. Brilliant, I should say. Um, <laughs> uh, we left there when I was six. I uh, grew up near Cambridge, uh, but I've been in London well over half my life now, so I feel like I'm a Londoner. And if I'm honest, I'm a South Londoner. Yay. Yay. <laughs> you know how to please the crowds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, most of my, yeah, um, we had very happy years in South London. I have to say, when 18 months ago we crossed the Thames, it felt like a different country. And it still does to some extent. Um, everybody says that. And people from outside just wonder how that could possibly be true, but it really is. 
Yeah, feels different. Great. Thank you. Um, so, uh, you're a Christian, um, and I think it'd be lovely to well, hear... Uh, well, I, I hope so. We've got you here under that pretense. Um, no, it'd be lovely to, to hear a little bit about um, that journey, how you became a Christian. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, I, um, I was brought up in a, in a, in a church-going Christian family. Mum and Dad were staunch Methodists. You know, the Methodists in the room. They're about as common as Scots, yeah. So there was a few late hands. <laughs> there were, up, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, my, um, so I went to, to church every week, and I went to Sunday school every week. And I remember at the age of, I don't know what it was, 12 or 13 or something, I left the Sunday school because they weren't, they weren't saying anything about Jesus in the Sunday school. Um, we were making puppets, and I was, remember being given a stick and asked to whittle a trumpet out of the stick. Um, and it was quite fun. I nearly cut myself with a knife. But um, <laughs> it wasn't... And I, I would have called myself a Christian, and I, and I did at school as I was growing up. But when I got to university, I came across people who, who also called themselves Christian, but they looked really different from me. Um, they, when they prayed, it was like there was really someone there. Mm. They really prayed to someone who they actually thought was their Heavenly Father, and I had no idea what that felt like. Um, and I could see that what the relationship they had with God was vibrant and real, and I just felt um, formal and cold in comparison. Um, and just before my second year at university, uh, I was invited away with the Christian Union um, on, a, on a sort of couple of days away before the year started. Um, and the speaker on that, um, those couple of days away, just said that he, he was going to go through the basics of the Christian faith. He thought that's what God wanted him to do. And I felt, I'm very glad God has prompted you to do that because that's what I need. I, I need to understand this from the beginning. I don't really get it. And uh, he explained the basics of the gospel. He explained about Jesus Christ being Savior and Jesus Christ being Lord. And um, that was on the last night of that conference, I knew this was my moment. Um, the Lord had made it so plain to me. Uh, and the issue, I'd, I'd, I'd known that the cross was extraordinary, that I had a great deal to be thankful for, but I had never really surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And we were all holding songbooks. It was a mission praise songbook in those days. And we were singing Shine, Jesus, Shine by Graham Kendrick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you still sing that, do you? <laughs> oh, many churches at the best. Good, mm. good. That would be nice. Um, and I, my hands were out holding the songbook. Um, uh, but in the last chorus, I knew this is the nearly come to an end. I've got to do it now or never. My hands were held out in surrender to the Lord. And uh, you couldn't tell because I was holding a songbook, which I was very grateful for. But um, that's the moment I think I became a Christian. Yeah. I remember trying to talk to the speaker that night and say, uh, I've become a Christian, but he was having some really boring conversation with somebody else who wanted to talk theology with him. And I, I hung around for ages. And eventually, I went, I went to bed really unsure what had happened because um, I hadn't had the chance to check in with him. But the next morning I woke up full of, full of joy. And uh, um, I'm so grateful to the Lord for that uh, Christian Union and the college. That, that, that's, that's the first part of the journey, anyway. Yeah. And there's, I'm sure there's lots more to it subsequent. And, uh, mm. and I'm sure we can ask some more questions around that. Of but And to maybe going back a little bit, you, you talked about um, being a GP, um, trained as a medic. Yeah, I wasn't a GP. I just worked well, in hospitals. Yeah. 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 Um, tell us a little bit about the, the switch there and what, what brought about the, the calling to being a minister and how that came about. Yeah. Um, I noticed something as a doctor, and that is that all my patients were dying. And um, there were two reasons for that. (laughs) 
I'm not sure we should be laughing. One, one, one is no doubt that I wasn't a very good doctor, but the other is that um, uh, I was working in hospital, a lot of people came in sick. And, and what I really mean is that um, uh, every human being, their life comes to an end at some point, and I was seeing a lot of it. I, I've lost count. I mean, any, any doctor would say the same, but I've, I lost count of the number of dead bodies that, that I've seen, the number of forms that I'd signed. Um, and what really struck me was that uh, it, at the point of death, it didn't matter how, it didn't matter what job they'd have, everybody was the same. Mm. It didn't matter um, how many family there were in the room, everybody was the same. I mean, it was a, you know, there were, there were good deaths and bad deaths, but death was death, and there was no way around it, and we couldn't do anything. And and it was that observation that death was coming to everybody, um, that was sitting alongside my belief in Jesus Christ and. Um, I was trying to answer the question, how could I be most used to people? I remember when I, was at univ- when I went for my interview at university and, you know, why do you want to be a doctor? And I said, I want to help people. And I was thinking about that question. Sorry, yes. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for saying that. Um, you might have to say that again because I do talk quite quickly. Don't worry, Jill will. So, uh... <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So, um, at... Um, but my patients were dying, and I, I, I realised that I, I needed to try and answer the question. I think every every Christian tries to answer in their own way. How can I be most useful to Jesus before he comes back? And um, I had thought that you know being a doctor was a brilliant thing, and I still think it's a brilliant thing. I think our bodies are amazing gifts, and they're phenomenal. And to be able to tweak the way it works to keep it going, or to improve the quality of life is a wonderful thing to be able to do. I still think nurses, speech therapists, physiotherapists, radiographers, I think they're just brilliant things to do. But the question for me was, how could I be most helped? And um, I'd begun playing a bit with preaching. It was easy to start preaching in a Methodist background. And I'd been having a, having a go with it. I wasn't very good at it. But people encouraged me that um, when I taught the Bible, people could understand what I was saying. And I, it was really trying to answer the question, could I be more help patching up people's bodies or could I be more help introducing people to Jesus? Because Jesus has never lost a single one of his and he never will. And that's what, in the end, prompted me to make the switch. Mm. Great. Thank you. I mean, it, it, um, has anyone got any particular follow-up questions they want to ask now at this point? I've got more questions. Have a think about questions and... And, and so um, that's led you into, into ministry. You were ordained in the Church of England. Actually, I don't know if this is a deal breaker. And if it is, I'm very happy to head home. I'm not an Anglican. Ah. Um, no, I've forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I so have worked in an Anglican church. My last, my last job was in an Anglican church for five years. So yeah. I hope that's okay. Yeah. And I... I actually, I never used to call myself reverend until I worked in this Anglican church. And, and they said, no, we're all, we're all going to call ourselves reverend because it's less confusing. And at that point, I just, it used to be the only people that would call me reverend was the ecclesiastical insurance company because they gave me a discount. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not actually an Anglican. Um, yeah, but um, so, I am still it's a, it, Sometimes it's a, a job to find in St. John's an Anglican. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, but. That's, it. that's uh, by the by. There's a lot. There's a mix. Exactly. A mix. Exactly. exactly. We're brothers and sisters. That's great. Um, from all sorts of different backgrounds. Yes. Um, so, 
worked in a church, um, uh, but also now you're working in a, a theological college. Yeah. Um, what brought that about, and, and particularly what is it you enjoy about that work that's sort of particularly interested you? Um, when I started out as a pastor, I had been to Oak Hill College myself as a student, and I had learned quite a bit while I was there, and my sermons were really dull. Um, Don't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is a long time ago. Um, because I had so much that I felt I needed to explain from the Bible. And it, I mean, they weren't all horribly dull because the Bible is ultimately fascinating because God is so extraordinary. But when people would come to me and say things like, I was brought up as a missionary kid in a culture where um, little girls were treated quite badly, and I wonder if maybe I was abused, and I just wonder if you could help. My answer was, I have absolutely no idea what to say or do, apart from pray, which I didn't do very well. Um, when someone came to say, my, our marriage is in trouble, could you give us counselling? Um, the answer was, no, no I can't. I, I don't know what to say. I hope you find someone who can help. Um, when... Um, you know, when people brought the ordinary problems of life, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how all the Bible knowledge that I had really was supposed to make any difference. And I suppose my assumption was that it should make a difference, but I didn't know how. And that meant that um, when, some, when I, I became aware a few years into ministry that there were some people who'd done quite a lot of thinking about how all that stuff in the Bible is supposed to really link up with the nitty-gritty details yeah. of life. And um, I began doing some study myself in that area. Um, and the kind of the light... The light the lights came on, and um, my preaching changed. And I was much more interested in, in getting to the point where we'd talk about things that really happened in real life and how the beauty and perfection of Jesus is supposed to impact the way we live life. So it's not that we, we gave up talking about God as he reveals himself in Jesus in the Bible. Um, beautiful and extraordinary. Um, it's just that we've been seeing some more connections. And... Um, I think people enjoyed listening to me a bit more. I mean, am I setting myself up to fail now? I am setting myself up to fail now. But, um, uh, and so when the opportunity came to leave a job which I loved, which was being a pastor in a church, I mean, it's a pretty hard job at times, but um, what other better job would there be to do? Except somebody said, how about coming to help train people to do this, to connect the Bible with life? Um, and that had become my passion and it was the one job I could imagine leaving my job as a pastor for. I think it's very interesting. I, I remember at my theological college we had one week on pastoral study. Wow. Which it does, it, you know, it beggars belief. Didn't, and I had to learn very much on the job through other people. Yeah. And uh, which it, it isn't right really, is it? And, and we should be worried about that. No, well, I mean we should... <laughs> Maybe you are really worried about that, <laughs> that your vicar had a week. But it, I, it concerns. But that's there are, other, good to there are other ways to learn it yeah. wonderfully. But um, yes, I think I, 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 love, I love coming back to Oak Hill and discovering how enthusiastic everybody, everybody is that this is what ministry is in the end. It, it is about um, digging deep in the riches of God's word um, and... It is about understanding the difference that that makes in, in the little five-minute things that happen in our life.
Great. as well as in the big crisis moments. And we'll do quite a lot of thinking about that over the weekend. Great. Thank you. Um, you might like to catch uh, Andrew uh, about some of that as well. Do talk to him if there's anything particularly that's um, struck you about what he said. Um, this is the, the kind of quick fire, the silly bit. You know, you have to, you can't, Great. you have to answer quickly, otherwise we just think you're, you know, hedging a bet. So, it's the, you have to choose one or the other, okay, these questions. Okay. So it has to be quick, okay. Yeah. Are you ready for this? No. This is the less serious bit. They're quite straight easy. Cookie or cake? Cookie. That's quick. Mm. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Sorry, what was the first one? Pancakes. Pancakes. Or... Pancakes. Oh, yeah. Good. Mm. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Then you know what to bring him if he needs looking. Uh, library or museums? Library. Or music. The Fleet Air Art Museum. Sorry. Yeah. Singing or dancing? Singing. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Every day. Oh, shame. We were hoping you were going to say dancing no. and we could ask you to dance. No. Football or rugby? Rugby. <laughs> I know I've just, you've just encouraged me to alienate a good chunk of the I know, year. this is really what this is the alienation round Excellent. <laughs> so, Excellent Mountains or beach? Mountains iOS or Android? Android Does everybody know what that means? Yeah. <laughs> Hands up the Android people in the room we, yeah. yes. oh. <laughs> Pixel 3 Android 10, carry on Takeaway or restaurant? A uh, restaurant. And then finally, cheese or wine? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't quick, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, cheese. Cheese. Brilliant. Has anyone got a question? They're too, too, uh, it's too early in the, uh, the evening. Ah, Louis's got a question. I'll just repeat the question. <coughs> What's the most important thing you've learnt uh, in your time at Oak Hill Theological College? That's quite a big question. Yeah. Um, that it, I've been reminded again how there's a lot that a good church leader needs to know apart from the Bible and theology, and they really need to know the Bible and theology. But they also need to know how to do safeguarding and how to encourage people to do safeguarding really well in a church. And, how to, and they also need to know um, that um, uh, there are some really bad ways of leading. And... Um, some, um, it's not the right time to talk about some of that stuff, but yeah. but you know that there is there is a lot more that we 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 need to be looking for in vicars and ministers and praying for him and being very thankful to the Lord when we have them. Thank you. Uh, one other question, Howard, right down the front. Yeah. Define the the safeguarding when it wasn't. Uh, a a need when it wasn't around, say, 30 years ago. Look, do stop me. If I've slightly ch- and this is slightly changes the atmosphere, doesn't it? It this, does this a little question. bit. I mean, you know, but uh, that's okay. Um, we just make it a, 
a question that Howard you can come back to. Um, yeah, a, a really a really funny lot. And the thing is that um, until until it actually happens in a church, in, in your own church, I mean the thing is. Most people, if it's done well, most people don't know what exactly is happening because it's all so confidential and really well done. But the thing is, when you, when you are the vicar or you are a safeguarding officer and you know what's actually happening, and you absolutely have to know what you're doing and you have to know where you get advice from in that moment. And you don't get any time to learn it at that point. You have to know what to do. Uh, and um, so one of the things we take very seriously, okay, I, was, I was giving people three hours of safeguarding training yesterday morning because... Um, mm. uh, one, the Church of England requires it wonderfully. The Church of England has done so much to support parishes in, in doing it well. Um, and um, so we, we're delivering some of that training yesterday. Great. Thank you. So um, there's a little bit of background uh, to, to Andrew, and uh, please do talk to him over the weekend. But I, I, my sort of final question is really around um, this weekend. Uh, you, you know, we're excited uh, to have you with us. We're excited by what God is going to uh, say to us in his word. And uh, we just wondered if you might just whet our appetite in the last sort of five minutes um, about what we can expect. And then we'll pray. Great. Well, I, w- I wanted to share one verse, which is... Um, so, um, one of the mistakes that I think... Um, I made when I was starting out in ministry was that it was the job of the vicar, the minister, to to do all the important speaking about the Bible that happened in the church. And then I came across this 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 bit in Ephesians four that says, "Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip His people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up." until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that was the first hint there that the purpose of having pastors and teachers in the church is not so that they do all the work, but so that they equip the people in the church for works of service. And then a little bit later on it says, um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, there, are, there is the kind of Bible teaching in a church that is absolutely essential so that we all get ready for the service God wants us to give in a church. And then there is the speaking truth and love that we all do for each other, by which, according to this, speaking truth and love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So the things we are learning to say to each other in the small groups that we have, in the coffee time after church, in the WhatsApp messages that we exchange with each other, um, whenever we can share words together, the things we're able to, to say that are about God and the gospel and, and, and helping make the connections with the things that we know are going on in each other's lives, those are really important, according to the, the Lord here, for us actually growing up to become like Jesus. And um, so it's that, it's that conviction, really, which keys in with some of the things I was saying in answer to some of your questions, Eddie, that um, 
Uh, we're going to have a go over our weekend um, at um, learning what it might look like to grow a little bit, speaking truth and love to each other. So I'm going to do some speaking, but um, we're going to um, get each other doing some speaking too. And don't worry, I'm not going to uh, give you all a sermon title and ask you to write a sermon on it. Far from it. We're going to start at the other end. We're going to start um, at what in some respects is a bit easier, and then we'll think about where the connections are. We're going to start with what's actually going on in our lives. Um, and then we're going to help each other think, well, if that's what's really going on in our lives, um, how, might, how might the Bible connect with that? Is there something precious we could find together that would help um, connect with that? And um, so it may just be that in a, in, a, in a quiet moment, you drift off to sleep tonight, or if you... Uh, if your room, which is just the right temperature and the bed is just you know, the right mattress and so on and everything, but for some reason you wake up, um, you could. You could give a little thought to this. Quote. What, what I'd love you to come with tomorrow is some area of your life that you, you would be willing to think about with some friends at church who all love you and so on. Think a little bit more about does the Bible have anything to say to that? Here, I'll just give you an idea. Um, have I still got a couple of minutes? Yeah. I'll give you an example from my own life, and I'll give you some other examples. So a few years ago, in, in our house in Wimbledon, um, we used to have to sort out our recycling. And um, there was a big green crate that most of the kinds of recycling went into it. And our green crate, by the time the recycling lorry came around, was always overflowing. Um, and it used to be my job. In fact, it still is my job. Um, to carry out the recycling for the recycling lorry the next morning. And um, there was one particular night when the re- it was so overflowing that there were, there were two bottles, one of which was an old lemonade bottle, on top. And on the way out to the front of the house, um, that bottle fell off. And I got a bit irritated, and I picked it up and put it on the top again carefully, picked it up again, moved another step down a step towards the road, and it fell off again. And I got more irritated. I, real- I realised I was getting irritated with my wife which was strange because she was nowhere near. <laughs> um, I, I think I assumed a good chunk of the rubbish in this recycling thing was probably her fault. And uh, this is why it was overflowing. I was beginning to get cross with my wife. And then I put the, milk, I put the lemonade bottle back in again and went a bit closer towards the, the front hedge and it fell off again and bounced under the hedge. I had to put the whole crate down and pick it up. And I began to get really angry. I actually said, which I was both incredibly normal because that was the kind of thing I'd do, um, and also it struck me as incredibly weird. It's a lemonade bottle. It's gravity. And I can't make this lemonade bottle stick on the top of this crate because it's too full. So why would I get annoyed at something so predictable as a bottle falling off? And I, because I was doing some study in this kind of area at the time, I started thinking, actually, that's a really question really worth asking. Why am I getting annoyed at this thing falling off? Um, I wonder if the Bible might have something to say about something so trivial as a falling lemonade bottle. And it did. Something quite important to say. So that could be an example of what you might bring tomorrow, is you have been trying to take out the recycling and you've had lemonade bottles falling off and you've been getting annoyed. You've been thinking, why am I getting annoyed? Um, or you could have examples like this. You could, um, I don't know if you have an experience in your house of you, uh, you call people down for dinner and they don't come immediately. Do you know how that feels? Yeah. That might be a thing you bring and think, oh, why do I feel like that? Um, or um, a situation at work, you, you, you've noticed you've, you're developing something of an attitude to your colleagues at work that you think, I'm, I'm not sure that's quite right. 
and I wouldn't mind thinking a bit about that. Or driving. Um, you may be always sweetness and light when you're driving, no matter what other people do. Maybe not, maybe you're not. Maybe there are certain things, certain predictable patterns, um, like someone driving too close to your bumper or someone cutting you up and around about. Um, you might want to think about, why do I get cross when I'm driving? Or you might think about, or maybe you're, it's your daily commute, something that's just predictable every day, and every day it stresses you out. Or, um, by the way, I'm not promising all these situations will get better. I'm just thinking, these are the kinds of little windows of real life that you might like to think about. Or um, some kind of situation that keeps happening and it just makes your heart jump. You might want to think about that. Or um, something that you've noticed you're grumbling about. Or maybe someone else has noticed you're grumbling about and they'd be kind enough to tell you that you're grumbling a bit. You might want to think about that. Just an example of some some ordinary things that happen all the time in life that we're going to... Uh, come and bring to the Bible and see what the Bible has to say.